Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker, and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you take control of your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create real presence, and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence, and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. This episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast is going to be a little different. This episode, I interview my roommate. Yep, you heard correctly, my twin, my OG, the one who's been there since the very beginning. My brother Adam has lived a life that many would consider as going against the grain of society. He sails a yacht called Sailing Millennial Falcon around the world. And for the past five years with his fiancée, Kiara, they've sailed the highs and the lows of life on board. Adam agreed to join me on the podcast and give us all an insight into what life is like when you make the courageous call to throw it up in the air and do the thing that really sets your soul on fire. I think you will love this episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. Let's dive in. All right. Well, this is a super exciting episode today because I have got my one and only, my wombmate, OG, my twin brother, Adam, who is joining me on the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast today. Welcome. Hello. Long time no see. Thanks for having me. I know. I'm very excited. And as I told you before we hit record, I have done very little prep for today's episode. I kind of feel like I know you. We 35 years room. prep. 35 <laughs> years for this moment. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to have some fun today. We're going to have a good chat and we're going to have a few lols. And we both decided that it is a Monday afternoon. So we may as well crack a beer whilst we're doing it as well. So if you topped yourself up. Yep. Cheers. Ready to go. Got my loud shirt on, my beer, my Japanese beer. Ready to go. (laughs) Good to go. So let's put this right out there from the get go. There will be a number of people listening in to this podcast episode today who know us both very well. They obviously Hi, know. Hi, Mum. <laughs> they obviously know that we are twins. But I also think that it's probably fair to say that for anybody that has watched the movie Twins, the one with Danny DeVito <laughs> and Arnold Schwarzenegger, that I think we can all agree that I am the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no, no, no. See, this is, you've got me in a corner here. This isn't fair because boots on the ground in person is when it really comes into play here. There's no, there's no like banana for scale in video. (laughs) For the record, we all know Kiara's four foot nothing, knee high to a duck. And I am a nice generic 181 centimetres. It's fair to say that out of our family, I am definitely the shorty. So I will agree that I am, in fact, the Danny DeVito of this relationship, the shorter of the two. Everybody loves Danny DeVito, though. <laughs> Everybody loves De- He gets invited to way more parties, as is the case in real life, too. <laughs> <laughs> and look, what Danny DeVito lacks, 
in height, he makes up for in personality. So exactly. I really roll with that throughout the way. There's a I'm picture of us when we're kids that basically summarizes our life. And it's both of us in a wheelbarrow together. And you're like, ah, you're like doing Mariah Carey, like, ah, as a baby. And I'm there just looking at you bewildered, just like, <laughs> so loud. <laughs> I do know I feel that. like that's the tone of our life. I do know that exact picture. I will put that up on Instagram <laughs> when this episode drops. But I'm but in all seriousness, I'm super happy that you agreed to join me on today's episode. I've had a few people reach out and be like, hey, you said that time that you were going to do an episode with your twin and you haven't done it yet. Where's it at? So Here's me thinking that nobody listens to the podcast. They obviously do. And they have given me the push that I needed to reach out to you and to lock something in to have a chat. So in all seriousness, I am really grateful to have you on. And I think that obviously I'm biased because we shared a womb together and I know you pretty well. But I also just think that you have a pretty incredible story to tell and you have got an incredible life that has taken courage and commitment and perseverance and I'm excited for the listeners to hear a little bit about what that has been like for you. So I have already done a little bit of an intro to you before we hit record but for those who don't know you I would love if you can share a little bit about who you are, what you do and what a day in your life is usually like. All right that's a tough one. It's a tough one to answer. It changes all the time. It depends on the day but Forgive me if you've covered this already in the intro, but it's five years ago, five five years and 23 days ago, I walked away. Well, I left the country with my fiance. We packed up everything we had and we flew into the US with nothing but money in our pocket and three bags between us, four bags. The bags were subsequently lost by American Airlines along the way. <laughs> so we showed up into a place called Little Haiti in Miami with a fistful of cash and no idea what we were doing. And we, we bought a sailboat and in the, the following 90 days or rather 30 days, we fixed it up, put her in the water and sailed a thousand miles down to Turks and Caicos, which is, was the first passage of what is now 20,000 miles worth of sailing around, around the world. I say that, I hate saying that because the world is such a ginormous place. And even 20,000 miles, you barely scratch the surface. And to, to capture that, we well, I, I caught the bug for making videos on a, a road trip with you, actually, Claire. I bought my first GoPro for that Tasmania oh, yeah. drive that we all went on, and I was annoying the crap out of everybody with this GoPro on the trip. And afterwards, I, I got onto my Mac and I made a little video about it, and it was kind of fun. I never really showed anyone, and then I did it again on a a Whit Sunday's charter, which was like the training run for this big sailing adventure we had planned, and. Uh, I did another one and it was a lot better, still crap, but I, I sort of had the bug for making videos. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this for the, the whole process of what we were about to undertake. And it was at your wedding, Claire, that we came home and we had six months worth of footage and, and hadn't done anything with it. And I decided that I was going to sit down and just make a bunch of uh, episodes and put it up on YouTube. And the rest is history. Like it just took off on us. You know, the friends and family got on and then we came up with a name, which was the name of the boat, the Millennial Falcon. And the rest is history. So now my life essentially is I sail around far and wide, documenting the travel, documenting the, the lifestyle of living on a sailboat full time year round, keeping it afloat, keeping us afloat, keeping her off the rocks, getting where we want to be 
and and it's sort of a, a guide if you will for the people who want to follow in our wake if you'll pardon the pun essentially i'm a youtuber in a nutshell but there's so much more to it than that because i identify as a sailor first and foremost a traveler and telling the story is just kind of my way of keeping food on the table and diesel in the mm. tanks i certainly would do it for free which is the question i always ask people when they ask me how to do youtube and how to how do you get this life how do you do it i said the first thing would you do it for nothing would you do it would you pay great expense to do it because if you won't mm. then save your money go do something else and find a way to facilitate it another way because there's no guarantee like i am lucky like we, we're not incredibly gifted people my fiance is beautiful and we we ha- we get along famously we have great chemistry but so do a lot of people like there is a huge element of luck to what we do yeah. and i'm very grateful that we've managed to keep doing this for five years and hope to keep doing it for at least another five Absolutely. like i said the world's a big place <laughs> Yeah. And it, and it's not easy work that you do either, right? Like I think, I do think that it is easy sometimes for people to look from the outside in and think, oh yeah, they're, they're YouTubers. They just do these, these videos and that's how they live their life. When the reality is, and I saw, obviously I had huge insight to this back in 2020 when oh, yeah. grac- graciously accepted Sean and I on the boat for 11 weeks whilst we were kind of in lockdown for COVID. And that opened my eyes just to how much really is involved like it's not easy work and for you to grow sustain and nurture an audience like you do of 90,000 people Mm. is is a tough gig it is not for the faint-hearted you do have people say unkind things sometimes you do have to really keep up with the commitments that you've made and the rhythm and the journey and you ultimately have to put your life out there for people to then feel like they can have their two cents on how you should live it too. And that might be glamorous on the outside, but as, as you and I've spoken about a few times, like it's hard yucca. Yeah. I can't overstep. That's probably the biggest thing, the biggest growth thing that's happened to me through this journey. It's not like becoming self-sustaining. It's not the sailing. It's none of it is like technical. The biggest thing I've learned is that like, is the effect that people dragging their muddy boots through your mind has on your psyche like I was not prepared in any way for the effect that would have on me personally the constant criticism the constant critique Mm -hmm. and not even it's not like people go oh you're ugly and you've got a crooked moustache or something except Um, that one time someone looks like a piece of toast (laughs) that happens a lot (laughs) it's even the little things like you you know especially being the captain of a boat like you will make a decision and you need to obviously and you'll go How's that going to go? Like, there's a little voice that goes, you're going to hear about that one in the comment section. Mm-hmm. Or if you have to reverse into a slip, it's not, it's, it's bad enough that like the Marine is watching as, as they do. But you're in my mind, it's like a couple of thousand, like 10, 20, 30, 70, 50,000 people are going to see this. If I f- fork it up, you know, Yeah, um, you can say fuck. It's fine. You, I can. <laughs> <I'm cool. laughs> and that constant, like, constant second guessing it mm. really messes with you it takes a long time to you have, you have to be like ruthlessly fortifying your mind every day and I honestly I still haven't got it down like mm. I haven't picked up a camera in a couple of months now and it's largely because I just I just need to not be that person for a minute I'm quite happy to let those people be like where are you what are you doing who's who are you again and I'm like good keep thinking that I'll be back with a story to tell yeah when I'm ready <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, with that in mind, like I know, I know there's not a simple answer to it, but 
I think I resonate a lot with what you're saying and and in terms of that feeling like people are judging or you know and second guessing your decisions sometimes what will people think what will they say and yours is in a very literal sense in that you've got a community of people who will literally have something to say but what do you you know what do you think around that kind of concept but for people perhaps even just in their everyday sense when it might come to decisions in their life or or in their career around do I do I make that call do I take that job do I take that promotion or just do I make that life decision at all and what if this and what if that and kind of the the power of the mind and the impact that it can have on you if you don't manage it correctly like how do you how do you manage your mind to best support you it's I'll go I'll be really honest and say I I haven't mastered that like I wish I had a really concise easy answer for that but I I don't Oh, it's so hard to answer that. You, all I just have to just keep fortifying my mind. Like I, I don't have for someone. I'm the worst social media in, influencer in the world. I don't have Instagram on my phone. I don't have Facebook on my phone. I rarely post on those things because I don't have the apps, and it's that much harder. I don't read comments. Kiara has to do that because I know that if our product is our product is joy no one wants to hear me complain in the video you watch if you watch a sailing millennial falcon video you will see me suffer <laughs> you might see me bleed you might see me fixing something covered in fiberglass you might see me in a storm or you might see me swimming in tropical water or having a bonfire under a palm tree none of those things i'm allowed to complain about oh, it, i have to have it because nobody in a desk or a cubicle and i've been there too nobody wants to hear somebody living their dream or their perception of it complain that it is anything less than their perception. And so I just have to remember that I have to basically put myself in the shoes of those who may be criticizing me and remember that they're looking at the world through an extremely different prism and what they see, they think is my reality. And what my reality is, is very much not what they see. And I can't, it's not fair for me to get angry for whatever, what they may see based on their interpretation of what mm. I have put out, which is a 2% of my real life. Mm. And I just, yeah, I have to just close out the things that bring us down because if, mm. I, if I start internalizing it, I start getting sad. And then I bring Kiara's mood down and Kiara is like a ball of light. And if that suffers, then the product suffers, the boat stops moving, we, stop, we lose the urge to go out and do things then the footage gets boring and then it's a downward spiral from there because in many ways your ego is attached to the the, the analytics. Yeah. So if the video does badly, you're like, why don't they love me anymore? Oh, and that's a really, like, that's another thing you have to fortify yourself against. When you're doing great, fortify because you'll get arrogant. When you're doing badly, fortify because it's not you, it's not real. Mm. It's a machine that has decided. So I suppose to answer your question, summary terms, you have to just be, it's a, it's a cliche, constantly stand, stand guard at the door of your mind for everything, mm. everything. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's, I actually was, I'm, you, you, you pulled on a little thread of a story I, I wanted, I was hoping I'd get a chance to tell, and it may not be quite in context for this, but in my first job, first office job ever, which was my last, as it were, yeah. I, I had a manager. I think it's safe to say his name. His name was Ash. And he was a really nice guy and he was a real company man. And he was like prim and proper. He was quite a, quite a small dude, but he was always suited and booted, like 
very proper, very practiced. And I'd never encountered anyone like that before. Mm. And you knew when he spoke to you, he was saying all the right things, doing all the right, but it was not what he really thought. He was just, he was practiced. He was great at playing the game. And it was only when I left and I made quite good friends with his boss's boss because we both went kite surfing together and loved to have a drink. <laughs> and so we <laughs> got friends at the pub, which I kind of, that's the way I like to work, like business face. And then when the, the work is done, you get to know your colleagues outside of work, or at least that's what mm. I thought. Turned out I had been like black marked by that person because I was not like affable enough. I was not cordial enough. And I reckon I know the day that that happened is when we went out with a bunch of guys from the Defence Force in a context that was the pub. It wasn't a work context. It was after Mm -hmm. hours. It was like collared fluorescent shirts, nothing serious. And I had a great time and I got along with a lot of them because I used to be in the Defence Force prior like yeah. I know I know the the chat I know how to make friends with these people we had shared you know been to the same bases done the same things and so we got along famously with him and it was that day that I reckon he was like oh I cannot let you go into corporate world mm. and this is where the story comes full circle day before yesterday I got an email from one of the guys who was in the defense force who was our client at the time who emailed me and is like oh I'm I'm certain I know you we've met I'm sure of it. I love the channel. I love what you're doing. I love this and that. It's just so interesting to me now that I like, I, I walked away from all that being like, Mm. this is not, I, I'm not this person. I can't be this person. Obviously it's not working for me and it's come full circle. And now those people who I did jibe with at the time have found me again in a different context. Mm. Now they're looking me up. They're my customers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's huge, and I think I do think that you know the world is a is a fascinating place, isn't it? And the way that people evolve, and there's probably an element, perhaps, of those people even at that time, maybe not maybe not consciously, maybe not known to them at that time, but probably looked at you and saw this person that was just you know happy to humanize themselves, happy to build relationships with other people organically and naturally, and you know, go and have a drink. And there probably was an element of them perhaps that maybe was envious of that because they wanted to take off that mask too. And for whatever reason, you know, at that time, couldn't. But my hope is that, and, you know, we're seeing evidence of it everywhere now, particularly inside organisations, is that people want to see the human. They want to see the real person. They want people to be able to bring who they are to the workplace as much as possible and so I think I love that you shared that story because can can I interject I have a this is super fun question though so I didn't know at the time that I had been black marked if you will but let's hypothesize for a minute that I did what would your advice been as you are now have have been to me to -hmm. circumvent that or to break out of that chain or perhaps avoid it in future Matt like navigate that, that situation Whoa, at no point did I say you could ask me questions (laughs) on this podcast. This is where you go, look at me, I'm the captain now. (laughs) I am the captain. Um, (laughs) Oh, look, my first first piece of advice would be get real clarity on if you actually have been black marked and if you have specifically what is the concern. Like that would I would have would have gone and had a conversation with somebody and said, you know, my my understanding is that you've got some concerns 
about the way I'm engaging with people or the way I'm going about building relationships in the workplace, like whatever it is, can you can you tell me specifically what the concerns are? And I would have gone and got real clarity around that. Yeah. And then from there, I probably would have then asked more questions around, well, what would you like to see me do differently? And almost, and I always say this to my clients all the time, right? Like bat it back, bat it back, bat it back. When you get feedback or you get comments that are, not that helpful, ill-informed, ignorant, whatever they might be, bat it back to that person and make them work for it because it's really easy to cast judgment or say throw one-liners out there like, you know, Adam's not fit for the corporate world or whatever, you know, whatever it is that we're imagining they might have said. What do you you mean by that, right? And make people work for it. Like in the right tone of voice, if you come across real defensive, then you've lost before you've started. But from a place of curiosity like oh tell me more about that what do you mean by that and it actually forces that person to have to think about why they said the thing that they said in a to reveal that it is way. in fact personal potentially yeah and it's maybe more their issue than what it yeah, is yeah. anything else or the way that they were groomed to think that they had to behave so that's probably what I would do but to turn the tables back to you. <laughs> I'm glad you shared that story because I actually like I do want to go, I do want to go like way back, not way back to like womb level back, but like back to when we were growing up and certainly what I remember like at school and stuff like that. You're probably one of the only people that I have known in my life who knew what they wanted to do from such a young age, like I feel like we were maybe like eight years old when you were like, I'm going to be a pilot. That's what I'm going to do. And and then everything that you did from there geared you to that. And you did it. You went and you got your pilot license. You studied aviation at uni. You then decided I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of the curve here. I know eventually pilots will just become button pushers. So instead of that, I want to know how to build the planes, right? Like, and you did all the right things. You studied hard at school. You got the good grades in those subjects. They led you to do that at uni. Like you did all the right things that everyone tells us we should do, right, when we're when we're growing up. And then you went and you hit the workforce mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and I remember that, and you were like, this is a bit fucked. <laughs> this is a scam. <laughs> <laughs> like, you like, and I remember you saying to me, like, yeah. they tell me that I... I'm too curious or they tell me that I ask too many questions or they tell me that I've got too many ideas and you were like, this is not the, you know, in uni they taught me about innovation and they taught me about, you know, being agile and moving quickly and now and how to solve problems. And, and, and it just, it felt like, you know, for you, the thing that you had dreamt about in fact then just turned out to not be what you, what you thought it would be. And then you went from there and you obviously made the decision over a period of time and with Kiara as well, that, you were going to follow through on this other dream that you had to go and buy a yacht and, and sail it. And you mm. went and did that, but that takes a shitload of courage and it takes the ability to kind of go against the grain, right. Of like what society wants you to do. And so I would love you to tell your like experience of what that was like. Mm. I remember, I remember that flight. I remember that air. like that is, I don't actually have a very good long-term memory. I don't remember a lot of, pre I can't remember what I had for breakfast but <laughs> I do remember I, I vividly remember that day I remember flying over that gymnastics center that was at the edge of the at the edge of the street that mm-hmm. we were kicked out of as it were I got us thrown out of <laughs> you were too expressive 
too expressive. Yeah, does not follow instructions. Will not stay out of the phone. Moving on. I remember that vividly, and I remember. I wish that I could go back now and talk to my whatever that age was, three, five-year-old, seven-year-old self, because I was. My life has been an evolution of the. Sorry, my life's pursuit has been an evolution of the feeling that I had in that plane. And I remember feeling like, you know, I was always a pretty free-spirited kid. I was like running barefoot through the jungle, doing, you know, climbing trees and just generally feral. Uh, well, what, what was called feral, I've decided was free. Free-spirited, expressive. <laughs> and, and, you know, later in life, they sort of metaphorically beat that out of you, if you will. And you sort of, you learn that, that you have to do what you're told or you just, you, you know, you don't get to go home at night if you don't do what you're told eventually, just tick the box mm-hmm. and go home. So, you, you know, I sort of got on top of that behaviour and wrapped it up over time. But I remember how free I felt in that plane. And I remember thinking like, this is, this is how birds feel. This is how, like, this is like, I used to climb trees and just sit there and look out over the world and be like, I can, you know, just dream about flying away and I remember being in that plane and be like we can do that I can do that like all I have to do is figure out how to be that guy in the front seat so I was like all right pilot well that's what I'm going to do because at the time I didn't have a broader concept of what the difference between who you are what you do with your time and what your job title is and how they are not the same at all and and to cut a long story short over the my life's, you know, just serendipitous term, turns of my life. I've started to, initially I was like, well, I've, I've failed because I'm not what I said I'd be. And I've taken a adult compromise on being a pilot, which is like, oh, you know, the adult version of that or rather the future-proofed version of that that is sort of more guaranteed a job with less initial outlay, monetarily speaking, would be an aerospace engineer. So I doubled down and, you know, and, and got the job as it were, but then that gets reduced down to spreadsheeting and reports and the problem-solving nature that I thought I had cultivated over the course of my degree was kind of frowned upon. Like when you time and material, time and materials build to the defence force, 300-hour job, if it takes 100 hours, somebody's got to do some fast talking as to why 200 hours went begging or why we overquoted. And so when I'm trying to like, you know, for the next job and the next job like let's build a system we do this every year let's build a system so we punch in the data we pull the lever and it spits it out no 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 then we have to give back 200 good hours worth of uh, man hours at 190 dollars an hour anyway so i washed out of that spectacularly and that was like i've failed i'm just a, a cruiser bum now but over the last little while i've started to sort of And this is the part I wish I could go back and explain to myself is that it's not so much that I wanted to be a pilot. It's that I wanted to be free. And the adult version of that, or at least my version of that now, Mm -hmm. which is what I would tell my younger self, is that, Adam, forget about what you do with your time. Forget about Try to get control. Freedom is control. You have to control five things, and they taught it to us in English, of all the things to learn massive life lessons. Who, what, where, when, why. That is all I want to control in my life. Who I do it with, what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, when I'm doing it, and why I'm doing it. And like my life now is, and I kind of fell into it, but it was, we did, 
do this to sort of like we started making videos we went on youtube we started mm-hmm. to try and monetize it in pursuit of that it's like i love sailing we're gonna, we're running out of money well let's find a way to control this dynamic let's flip the coin let's change it so that we're, this is our job now is that a realistic goal well maybe we'll try and that is the reality now like we control what we do because we videotape it or not we control when we do it absolutely who i do it with like yeah Kiara. so I, i'm working on most of the five things but that's what i wish i could go back and explain now well, i was chasing the the literal thrill of freedom in the most simple form as a child and what i should have been and over my life i should have been pursuing the i don't know the adult version of that which is is controlling the variables like freedom is being able to get on a plane tomorrow and still do your work, but work you love and do it when you want to do it with who you want to do it with for a good reason that you can stand to look in the mirror after having done it. Yeah. So sorry for that long-winded arc of a story, but that's kind of like that's how little seven-year-old Anna getting out of the back of an aeroplane became a washed-out pilot, washed-out engineer, and now a, a sailing YouTuber because all those things were just mm. like a domino effect chasing freedom. Yeah. The freedom to exist on my terms. I love everything that you've just said. Who, what, <laughs> why. I, don't, I think it's fabulous. And I think practical. I think you've given people really practical advice to think about, like, the things that I can control, who, what, when, where, why. Mm. And that, you know, I mean, I still think, you know, the, the stats say now, right, that on average anyway, people are having between five and seven different careers over the course of their lifetime and not Mm. not five to seven different jobs five to seven different careers so like I could go and be a horse trainer and then I could wake up tomorrow and decide oh no I want to be an interior designer or something like totally different pathways but I'm a big believer as well in that every kind of experience that you have learning that you have whether formal or or just through life experiences is a building block for the next thing and so I think for you you know, you've obviously been able to now start connecting the dots on that. Like those, the pilot, the aerospace engineering, they were never the end game. Maybe at the time we th- you thought they were the end game, but they were never the end game. They were just the building block to get you to oh, the next totally. evolution. Yeah. Just as in 10 years' time, you'll probably look back at this season of life and be like, this was the next building block to oh, yeah. wherever I choose to go next. And I think that's such a good piece of I guess advice that you've shared because people get so I work with people every day who will come to me and they're like I feel stuck I feel lost I feel unfulfilled but I feel like I'm in so deep now in my career pathway that I don't know where to go from here and it's almost like they yeah a hundred exactly that and it's like they're on the monkey bars and they've kind of got one you know one hand's reaching out to that next the next stage on the monkey bus, but they're not prepared to let go of the other hand until they can absolutely guarantee themselves that everything will line up perfectly. And so they end up paralyzing themselves from that because they're not prepared. Like they're not happy where they are, but they're not prepared to take a step forward. So they end up kind of one foot in and one foot out, which is almost the worst place to be because then you're nowhere. Purgatory. And just get stuck (laughs) there. And so I love that you're saying, you know, if I could go back to myself, this is what I what I would would say. But I'd love to know for you, like, do you have any other advice for people that 
you know, what are we, we're recording this towards the end of January. We know that 80% of people by the time February rolls around have already shat all over their New Year's resolutions. And so for some people it might have been, you know, this is the year I'm going to get on top of my career or I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be fulfilled or, you know, skinny is usually what I say to myself. But like whatever it might be, what, like what advice do you have for people around how to just take the next step for them in whatever way it looks like? so weird giving advice because I just don't like you know this this is why I like Claire and I speak offline often not often enough but we speak often and I take so much more away from the conversation than I'm sure she does because I'm even now I'm like Adam you really shouldn't be giving advice to people you haven't got your own shit together no one does no one does the best day of my life was when I remember when I actually finally realized that no one knows what the fuck they're doing they just (laughs) do the best they can with what they have it was honestly you talk about freedom that was the most freeing day of my life was when I realized that no one knows no one knows we just do the best we can with what we have absolutely yeah no you're right and that is a big it's something we all grapple with often but it's it, it you're absolutely right but to answer your previous question, what advice would I give to mm. take the plunge? They're all very cliche, but I think they're true. And the one that always comes, the one that really hit me like a ton of bricks was that like, this could be the end of the line, you know, like I, what, what could like, for me, it was, I was sat in my cubicle having just finished what amounted to like seven years of no. Yeah. Seven years of tertiary, two degrees, tertiary education, mm. And I finally got this job and I was like, yeah, sweet. And we were doing a certain type of report. And it's one of these 300 hourly things. And I, I, first time I was just happy, happy to be in the building, happy to be wearing a collar. <laughs> I had a desk and a computer. I was in the big leagues now, fourth floor. And I, after the second and the third, and yeah, the helicopter, like it was a helicopters we were working on. So the helicopter changed, but not much. It was like a black hawk and a seahawk. They're very, you know, a little bit different here and there, but largely the same report with a different title and different data. And about maybe the third, the fourth one, I was like, oh, they're never going to give me anything different. And these things take maybe three or four months to, to write and crunch all the data. Mm. And I looked over and I looked at the guys, open plan office, and I looked at the guys and they're all really, really, really smart people. Some of these people have PhDs. And I'm looking around and I'm like, well, he's working. He's checking my work. He's writing the next version of the one I wrote last year. He's doing the billable, the accounts for all. It's like, and nobody was doing anything like 20 years my senior. They're all sitting right across the room doing the next iteration of this same Mm -hmm. thing. So then I was like, all right, let's make the job easier for myself. And I've spoke about that already. That was frowned upon. It wasn't, they gave me like five extra hours to try and create <laughs> some, like a, a, thing, a spreadsheet that automatically did it. And I, I sort of did it, but it didn't work, didn't take. And so I realized, I was like, well, what, how does it get worse than this? It's like, I could go and drive a forklift and at least I can listen to audiobooks, and I can like, I don't have to be responsible for anything. And I get, and, and, you know, at the time that I was starting to like get that desk sore, you know, you start to get a crook neck mm-hmm. and those little ailments from sitting down all day were starting mm-hmm. to kick in over the first couple of years. And I was like, I feel as like unhealthier than ever. Like I could go drive a forklift and I'd be like just as well off because it wasn't great pay. 
and I'd be like happy and healthy and I'd be like walk away at night mm. and I was like is that the worst thing like what have I got to lose what have I really got to lose here and then I started looking for outs and we tried a bunch of things and Kiara has always thought that way she's always been a sort of a, a go-getter and the re- and we had that conversation then we went but for me the biggest things were like you can doesn't matter how much you've got poured into it. Like don't put good money after bad or time. Don't put good time after bad because it's the only resource you have. And it's the only thing that you really can control. Like, you know, without some sort of construct, you know, we all have to like create a job for ourselves that we love, whatever that might be, or or earn it, get someone to give it to us. We all have to like work for something somehow, some way we've got to make money the time is the thing that we exchange for that. And so like, you just have to put a premium on your time and establish like, what's the worst, what's really the worst that can happen? Like, and how many steps do you have to fall before you're like that guy sleeping in the bus shelter? Mm. Like, I think most people don't understand just how far they have to tumble to be there. Like, and not just like, mm. oh, if I lose my job, I'm on the street. That's not true. Yeah, like yeah. if you lose your job, you find another job, whether it's scrubbing toilets or waiting tables or driving a forklift or unloading containers, whatever it might be, like we're lucky. There's a workaround. Like, yeah, I don't mm. know. I, I'm just don't let your, don't let a knee-jerk reaction stop you from taking the plunge. Like actually sit down and go, what, what are the steps that would need to happen to get me from here to being a homeless bum? Mm. It's like, no one knows, no one's thinking to look for. And there will be 10 pages of things Mm. line by line that need to happen. And most of us don't understand how much support we have and quite what we're capable of. It's only when like, give yourself more credit. Like Mm. it's only when you take, when you have no choice, like there's a great saying that I shouldn't use because of the way I live my life. But if you want to take the island, burn the boats, which is I think it's a Viking saying when you roll up on the island, if you really want to take the island, you burn the boats because once you just like burn the bridges behind you, there's no going back. And if you like think about that for a minute, it's amazing what you can achieve when you don't have a choice. And that comes up a lot in my life. <laughs> no one's coming like RAC is not coming out on the next tide to put my engine back together five mm. or six hundred miles offshore. Yeah. And it comes up and you'll be really surprised. Like give yourself some, give yourself some credit, give yourself more credit than is due mm. because you will rise to the challenge. You're, and there are probably many examples in our past when we have, we always yeah. focus on the bad stuff that happens, but we never give ourselves a pat on the back for all the good things we did in our past. Mm. So exactly. like, I guess you just have to remember you're capable of more than you think you are. And you, are a lot further from disaster than you think you are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And beyond that, it just takes just just one step and then another and then another. Mm. And like resigning was the last thing I did. Like we had the flights. The flights were booked. The flights were booked. I'd been looking for boats for years. We'd been saving for years. Everything was planned, planned, ready to execute. The training trip was done. Everything was ready to go. If I changed my mind, like I had right up to like three months before we left to change my mind. Worst case, we have 80 grand in the bank and and that's that. Like, and we changed plans. Like there's no harm in planning for your dream. Mm-hmm. Like just yeah. plan, yeah. execute. That's it. Plan, mm-hmm. execute. 
Yeah, I think every, I mean, everything that you're saying is is exactly right and practical. And so, so often it's ego that gets in the way of people making the decision. Like, how will this look? What if I get it wrong? What if I fail? And that exactly what you were just saying around the, the huge cry between losing my job or quitting my job versus and becoming homeless. Like there are yeah. so many steps in the middle, but for, for most people, that's how quickly they go from zero to a hundred. If this happened, then this is going to happen. And, and I often will have conversations with people being like, okay, but if that did happen, what practically could you do? Oh, I suppose like I could probably go and get a job. Not probably. You absolutely Ooh, could. You absolutely if you, will. if you putting food in your mouth, relied on it, you absolutely could. It might not be the job that you think society needs you to have or that you feel your ego is being nurtured saying to my friends, oh, I'm doing this particular job, but you could do it. What's yeah. getting in the way is how what we think we should do, how we think we should look, all of those sorts of things. So I resonate like deeply with what you're saying 100%. But it, And you're right, we focus on all of the things we don't have or the negatives. We forget to focus on all the things I've already achieved, all the things that I am capable of and mm. use that to propel us forward to take the next step. So I think... I think we cling to the things we do have a lot as well. Uh, Like Mm. I was fortunate in that I got in, did enough time to sort of plan my, got in, realised it was a bit of a scam. And to be fair, I could have moved jobs. Like I'm not saying Mm. all, like I I may have found another job and been very happy, but I just, Mm. I wanted to do this as well. So plan the escape, but I hadn't had enough time to like accumulate stuff. Like I was always fairly transient when I lived in Melbourne. Mm. I think a lot of people maybe don't quite realise how much they're working for their stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're like one of the one of the ways to like gain control of who, what, where, when, why is to stay agile. Like if you can live out of a bag and you can work from a laptop, you're out, you, you have the where officially covered. You can work anywhere. You can go anywhere. You get on a plane, carry on only, anytime. And so I'm not saying I had that at the time, but I hadn't, it wasn't much for me to, like I had a really cheap car and I had a nice little cheap apartment and I didn't have much stuff. Mm. And so my identity wasn't rolled up in like, you know, things. And I think if people want to escape or, or are planning on taking a plunge, like the metaphor works. What's the first thing you do when you, like you do not jump into a lake wearing full body armor, you have to strip off some, you know, if you want to go and take the plunge, you have to strip off, lighten your load, get rid of some stuff mm-hmm. that's bogging you down, learn to go without things, learn who you are when all you have is 20 bucks and a good book. What do you do on the <laughs> weekend? You know, like if you can have a really great weekend with 20 bucks and a good book, you can do like, there's so much you can, you'll have a happy life anywhere in the world for, you know, very little effort. And then, the rest is like if you don't have a lot and you don't cling to a lot, there's nothing to be t- taken away and there's nothing to lose. Mm. All you have is money in the bank and 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 a dream, and you just get after it. So I think like mm. it's that's a hard pill to swallow. I think people, if people are like, oh, I'm I'm not happy where I am and I feel trapped and this and that and the other, I was like, all right, well, turn inwards or rather go home, clean out your cupboards, and find like how much of that stuff. I reckon if most people collapsed their lives down, they could get rid of like three out of the five rooms in their house and be like, this is really like day to day. You could lay it out on the bed and be like, this is mm. my life mm. day to day. Yeah. 
Yeah. And once you see that, you're like, well, I don't actually have a lot of stuff that I have to have every day. And that frees you up to just be fast and loose. And then you can start taking chances because you know that you can, well, you're not beholden to your assets mm. in any way. Yeah. I think, firstly, let me say, how professional are we? Pretty good. I thought you were going to turn around and be like, firstly, I feel attacked. (laughs) No, I'm sitting here thinking, we're so fancy and professional. I love this for us. (laughs) Have a teleprompter here. (laughs) I think you have given many penny-dropping moments for people and planted lots of seeds, which is the whole point of this podcast, is to get people to just reflect, right, and just think. And some will resonate. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I think a lot of what you're saying, people people know this stuff, right, like but there's there's knowing and doing two very different things. And so the question then becomes more around like, well, what is it that's getting in the way of me taking Mm -hmm. action and really looking in the mirror and kind of asking that question? I think that you have summed that up beautifully. So the last question that I have, and, I, and I'm sure there will be people who want to keep get in touch or keep in touch or follow you, what is the best place for people to get in contact with you? You can find me on, well, there's like 187 episodes of my story thus far <laughs> on YouTube, which you can fill your boots with. Good luck, if, good luck to you. <laughs> if you get through all that, you're doing well. That is Sailing Millennial Falcon on YouTube. You can't miss it. Just type in Sailing Millennial Falcon or you can, or at Sailing Millennial Falcon on Instagram and same on Facebook. Awesome. And you are accepting new Patreons as well for anybody. Who oh, yeah, yeah. I forget about that. Think, um, what was, what, yeah. Yes. And if you really, really enjoy the 180 something episodes that are there, you can help us keep doing so by going to Patreon, which you'll find the links for sprinkled throughout YouTube. Awesome. Well, thank this you. Fun. I want to keep going. Fun. I know. I'm not done. I mean, I'm learning I'm... stuff about myself here. I know you can play this back to yourself Always enlightening and all of the fabulous and you can turn this into a transcript and you're like oh I've already got a a book in the making for myself now there you yeah. go you're whole five, five things just came to me like, <laughs> <laughs> say that after we hang up uh, yeah. no I've had that for a while <laughs> in all seriousness though this was a pleasure I am immensely proud that I got to share a womb with you and can't wait to see you keep kicking fucking awesome goals Back at you, sis. Back at you. Love you. Love you too. (laughs) Well, that's it for another episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It has been amazing to have you here and I am always so grateful for you taking the time to pop me in your ears as you go about your day or night. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eating Your Cake 2. And if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet, reach out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love if you would leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with me here too. Until next episode, you've got this. You can do it. You are doing it. And remember to back yourself and what you have to offer.
Hey there. Thanks for hanging on. And thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. I truly love having you with me, but I want to make sure that you know if you're ready to work together exactly how we can do it. The first way is through my game-changing Transform Your Career six-week accelerator program. This six-week online program is for busy professional women who are ready to regain control of their career and leadership once and for all. Go from feeling like just another employee to an in-demand asset in your company. Stop feeling lost, stuck, and unmotivated, and instead feel confident, worthy of earning more, and armed with the tools to go out and get what you want. The Transform Your Career Accelerator cuts the crap and gets right to the key levers that you need to be pulling to ensure you are seen, heard, and noticed at work. Add to this an epic group of like-minded women all coming together to share insights, learnings, and to build a new network along the way. If this sounds like something you need, then join the waitlist now. The link is in the show notes. The second way you can work with me is through my private one-on-one coaching program, where I only take a very limited number of clients each year by application. My six-month private programs are for you if you know you need tailored coaching and guidance now. You want a container of space and time just for you to work through your exclusive and unique goals. You don't want to wait for the waitlist in my other programs because you know you want access to my brain and my experience all to yourself. If this sounds like you, then book a free call in my diary today and let's chat. Lastly, if you want me in your organization to come and share my tried and tested knowledge with your team on how we can all collectively elevate our own leadership and career success, then jump on my website and download the services info pack or grab it from the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.